Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Team, thank all of you for taking part in worship, and I appreciate your participation this morning. We're going to look at a couple of passages. Um, I'm going to share a sermon with you entitled just Lost, Lost. And we want to look, first of all, it's not on the screen, but if you would turn to Matthew chapter 5. We want to look at Matthew chapter 5. And um, we'll look at Matthew 5, verse 29 and 30. And that passage will be on your screen. Just didn't have it on the title slide. I added one when they got them made. Matthew chapter 5, verse 29. God's Word says, and Jesus is preaching, and He says in Matthew 5, 29, And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Verse 30, And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should not, and not that that whole body should be cast into hell. That one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Now if you will, look to Luke chapter 19, and we want to look at verse 10. Luke 19, verse 10. Right at the conclusion of Jesus' confrontation, really it wasn't a confrontation, it was a meeting with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, if you remember, was a publican. Um, he uh, tax collector, Pharisee, and very short in statue, climbed up into a sycamore tree, heard Jesus was coming by. And so he climbs up into a sycamore tree to get a better view of Jesus. And Jesus knew that he was there, and Jesus asked him to come down and told him, informed him that he was going to his house that day. And as he closes that conversation with Zacchaeus, he says in verse 10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. So in Luke chapters 15 through 19, the Bible talks about lost things lost things we all are acquainted about lost things we've lost different things before and in those passages chapters 15 through 19 the Lord speaks about a lost sheep he speaks about a lost coin and then ultimately he speaks about a lost soul now if you take the word lost and you apply it to anything, it always leads to tragedy. Um, what if you were to lose your health? How tragic. Uh, what if you suddenly found out you were an extreme diabetic, severe diabetic? Wonder if you found out that you had uh, a real rare autoimmune disease. Wonder if you realized and been told that you had this uh, disease called cancer. How tragic to know that you lose your health. 
What if you'd lost, lose your eyesight? You know, just close your eyes for a moment. Kind of take on the personnel, uh, personage of uh, Bartimaeus. And as you close your eyes, just think, to live your life without seeing the colors of a rainbow, without seeing the beautiful sunset, without seeing the snow-capped mountains, perhaps the Rocky Mountains, sorry, seeing the fall leaves of the Smoky Mountains in the fall, nothing but blackness all day, every day. What if you lost your memory and you were told that you had dementia or you had Alzheimer's? I remember President Reagan, how he wrote a letter to the nation and gave a speech telling everyone to goodbye. And he went, went to his ranch and was, wasn't really made any more personal appearances anymore. What if you lost a job or your house or your family? What if you lose your reputation? Wonder if you just would lose your life. The point is, there's hardly anything that we possess that we can't lose. That's why Jesus warns us not to hold on to the things here on this earth because at any moment we could lose those things. Anything that I mentioned would really be bad. However, Jesus said there's something that's much worse than anything that I mentioned if you were to lose. Mark 8 Verse 36 simply says, What will it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Would you give a million dollars for your soul? Two million? Three million? Would you give all the land in the state of Alabama for your soul? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? And so as adults and teenagers that perhaps are in here, the worst tragedy for any person is to die lost. The worst tragedy is to die without Christ, is to die spiritually lost. And so what does it mean to die lost? What does it mean to be spiritually lost? What happens to the lost person when they die? Well, first of all, in Mark chapter 19, verse 10, if you'll notice, the mission, the purpose of Jesus was to seek and to save those that was lost. That's why he came. He, he didn't come to heal the sick, although he healed sick. He didn't come to raise the dead, although he raised the dead. He, did, he didn't come to give sight to the blind, although he did those things. His mission, his purpose was to seek out those who needed a Savior, those that were lost. He sought them. Now, we don't go looking for Jesus. He comes looking for us, and His Holy Spirit convicts us of, of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And Jesus seeks out. He sought me out. He seeks you out. He may be seeking you today, that little tug on your heart or, or the Holy Spirit as He speaks to your spirit. You know that you need a Savior. He seeks those who was lost. So first of all, to be lost is to be spiritually dead. You and I are 
are born with a physical life. However, because of the original sin of Adam and Eve, we have inherited a sinful or an evil nature. We're sinners by nature and by choice. We make bad choices, I believe, because we're sinners by nature. So we're sinners by nature, trickled down from Adam and Eve, passed on to mankind because their sin, we sin. Romans chapter 5 pretty well says it this way in verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all, and you can underline all, for all have sinned. This past Friday night, man, we experienced secret church, and David Platt did a fantastic job on, on, uh, on, the, on false gospel. And how there's only one true gospel. But yet there are other false gospels being shared. And, and millions and millions and millions and even billions of people are believing an untrue gospel. They're believing a false gospel. Trusting in a false gospel. According to, according to one teaching in regards to Mary. Mary is preserved from the original sin and is pure from all sin in her life. Well, according to the Bible, we just read it. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We, we, we want to honor Mary as the, as the uh, godly woman who gave, who gave birth to the Son of our Lord, the incarnate Jesus Christ. But the Bible says that all have sinned, even Mary sinned. So all of us are sinners, for all have sinned. Romans 6, 23, and have fallen short of the glory of God. So we're dead in our sins, and we need to be born again. Why is that? Because we have this sinful nature, and we're born wrong. And so we need to be born again. And Jesus told a very religious person in John chapter 3, verse 7, he says, Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. There's only one requirement to enter heaven, that you're born again. There's only one commandment for you to enter heaven is for you to be born again. Now that entails you to receive Jesus Christ, to trust him, to believe in him and the gospel of Jesus. That's the good news. The point is every person who has rejected Jesus Christ as their Lord, their Savior, they're lost, spiritually dead in their sin. And maybe a good person. You may be a good person. That's what's sad about hell. There's going to be a lot of good people in hell. You may be a good person. You may be a religious person. You even may have been baptized as a baby or as an adult. But if you've never been born again, you're lost, you're spiritually dead in your sin. According to God's Word in John 3, verse 5, 6, and 7. If you would, let's look at that just a minute. John 3, verse 5, 6, and 7. Notice what he says. He says, John says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. He's not speaking about baptism. He's speaking about the Word of God. Now, I shared that, not, I shared that recently. For that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, 
you must be born again. So according to God's word, unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom, nor will you never enter the kingdom of God. And he was speaking to a very religious person. So nothing you do in the flesh will impart life to your lost soul. Flesh gives way to flesh. If you come to church, that's fleshly. It won't give spiritual life. If you obey an ordinance, that's fleshly. It won't give spiritual life. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. John chapter 3. So going to church is good, but it won't give you spiritual life. Being good won't give you spiritual life. Being baptized won't give you spiritual life. Partaking of the Lord's Supper or obeying another ordinance will not give you spiritual life. John 3, Jesus said, you must be born again. Verse 7, the point is, today, if you've rejected Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you're lost in your sin, and you're just one heartbeat from hell. You know your heart's interesting muscle. It's just a muscle. It, it, doesn't, it has an electrical charge. Isn't that interesting? There's no electrical cord. There's no power going to it. And you, you, it, you received a heartbeat early in the womb, and it continues to beat. And Brother Ralph's beat for 96 years. Can you imagine that? But yet, you're just one heartbeat from eternity where you will live in eternity forever. Hell is, hell is no joke. You're either in eternity or you're in hell. And heaven is a beautiful place. Hell is a terrible place. Hell, hell is no joke. But Jesus taught more about hell than he did heaven. You've heard me say that before. He preached ten times on hell in the Gospel of Matthew alone. One out of eight verses in the New Testament speaks, uh, speeches that the Lord made, sermons, was on hell. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 29 again. Matthew 5, verse 29. Look what he said. How terrible. And thy right hand offend thee, pluck it out, cast it out from thee. It's profitable for thee that one of thy members, it really would be good if all of you were not casting it. It'd really be good if one member could escape hell. And that instead of the whole body be cast into hell. It's, you know, verse 29 and 30. That's how ghastly he spoke of hell. And so. The most tragic thing for a person is to lose their soul without Christ. You go to hell. I thought it was interesting. There's a town in southeastern Michigan known as Hell, Michigan. Um, as you go through the town, never been there, but if you, as you go through the town, I understand there's a sign there that says, Welcome to Hell. You can, you can go to the post office. You can send a postcard straight from hell. And that's something. You can go to a wedding chapel. You can get married in hell. And, and, and on the days when the temperature drops below 32 degrees, this restaurant, this Red Robin restaurant, serves free chili on the, day, on the days that hell freezes over about that 
And people go to hell by the thousands, hell, Michigan. And they buy mugs. They buy T-shirts. Some of their T-shirts says, I've been on the highway to hell. Or, I survived hell. And the best-selling T-shirt is, I've been to hell and back. But let me tell you something. The hell that Jesus speaks of is, a, is another hell. There, there's no photos there that you can make of buildings and landmarks. And there, there's, there's no laughter there. There's, there's no parties. There's no free food in the hell that Jesus speaks about. There's, there's really no T-shirts in the hell that Jesus speaks about. There's no T-shirts, especially that says, I've been to hell and back. Because Jesus says when you go to hell, there's no coming back because there's a great guff fixed, Luke chapter 16. But Matthew 30 spoke about hell in ghastly terms. Be better to pluck out your eye than have all of your members to go to hell. It'd be better to cast off a limb than have, and throw it into hell than have all of your members to go to hell. Now, why would he talk like that? Why would he talk in those ghastly terms? Because hell is a real place, and Jesus didn't want anybody to go to hell. That's why he came to seek and to save those that were lost. So to be lost is to be spiritually dead. Jot this down if you're taking notes. To be lost is to be without God. Think about that. Lost. Lost. When you're lost, you're, you're without God. When you're lost spiritually, you're without God. Right, right at this very moment, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, you are without God. You say, well, Brother Sammy, I pray. I pray to God. I really, I pray to God. Well, listen, you can pray all you want. But according to the Bible, you're without God. Because there, there's a number of people today who believe in this thing called universalism, and they believe that God is everybody's father, and, and we're all part of the brotherhood of man and the fatherhood of God. The Bible doesn't teach that. Jesus said, if God's not your father, the devil's your father. You know, the Bible just simply says to be without God is to be without Jesus. To be without Jesus is to be without God. And so John 14, 6, Jesus said, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said, if you want to go to heaven, I'm the way to God. I'm the way to heaven. I'm the way to God. And no one goes to the Father but by me. John 14, 6. And so you, you can't say that, you're, that you have God. You can't say that, you have, that you're a Christian unless you have been saved. You can't say you have God unless you have Jesus. Friend, without Jesus, you're without God. And without God, you're a lost soul, spiritually dead, and you're just one one hundred second are less than one one-hundredth of a second from a heartbeat where you go to hell. 
So to be lost is spiritually dead. To be lost is separated from God. But almost related, to be lost is to be condemned before God. John chapter 3, look at verse 18. John chapter 3, verse 18 says this. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. The word already is very important because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. And look at Romans chapter 1. Jot down 1 verse 18. Paul said, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. That word condemn there, John 3, 18, is a legal term. In a courtroom, a verdict's brought out, and the verdict is guilty or not guilty, condemned or not condemned. So the Bible says that the verdict has been passed on all the human race, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all guilty. God's declared the entire race is guilty. Everyone is lost in their sin. Everyone is condemned already. So the point is the entire human race is guilty already without Christ. You're sentenced to death. I've been sentenced to death. For the wages of sin is death. And this is why Jesus came to die on the cross. Luke 19, 10, he came to seek and to save those who are lost. So the point is, without Jesus, you're without God right now. To be lost is to be spiritually dead. To be lost is to be without God now. But to be lost is to be separated from God forever. To be without him now, but to be separated from God forever. So without Jesus, you're without God now. And if you die without Jesus, you'll be without God. You'll be separated from God forever. So the point is this. If you're without Jesus, you're lost, guilty, condemned, separated, and waiting your final judgment and the wrath of God. And that's going to take place the moment your heart stops. Now listen at this. God loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son, the only one of his kind, to die on the cross for our sins, for my sins, for your sins, to bear my sins, your sins upon the cross, to be my substitute, your substitute, to experience the wrath of God laid up for me. He experienced that himself upon the cross for me, for you. The point is, he died where we could live. He died where we could be saved. And so the most tragic thing that you could ever lose is your soul. So I plead with you today, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ and him alone for your salvation, I pray that first you admit that you're a sinner. Be honest with yourself. And say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. Secondly, repent. 
turn from your sins and turn to a person by the name of Jesus and by faith believe in him and his finished work there at Calvary where he came and he died on the cross for our sins. He was buried. He arose again. He ascended into uh, into heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father and one day he's coming back. That's the true gospel. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Luke 19, verse 6. Zacchaeus comes down from a tree. The scripture tells us that, that he made haste. He came down from that sycamore tree. And the Bible says when he got to Jesus... He received him gladly. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that if you receive him, he has the power to give you sonship. As many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Zacchaeus came down. He received him. And today, he says, and then he says, Zacchaeus, come on, I want to go to your house. Basically, that's the same message today. He wants you to come to him, receive him, and he wants to abide in your house. He wants to abide in your life. As many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, you can't do enough to be saved. I like what we learned this week in regards to grace. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works. At least any man should boast. Some believe that grace is infused in what you do for God. Uh -uh. It's not not according to Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace... Are you saved through faith? Not as yourself, not of yourself. You see, not of works. It, it's a gift of God. Even grace is a gift of God. Nothing you can do. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. And that's why it's a gift. Because of God's grace, He sent His Son. And there's nothing that I can do regardless to receive that grace other than to trust Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. For by grace you are saved through faith. God's grace. Marvelous grace. Wonderful grace that comes down from heaven above. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had just to reflect, Lord, on the greatest possession that we have And that is our souls. And so, Father, I pray today for every person here, for those who uh, have rejected Christ for years and years, perhaps. I pray today that they, whatever they're trusting in, they'll lay it aside and realize, Father, that Jesus came and died on the cross, was buried and rose again, ascended into heaven, one day he's coming back. But he did that to seek and to save those 
that were lost. And Father, when we humbly come to you, confess that we're a sinner, turn from our sins, turn to the Savior, believe and trust in him what he did for us at Calvary, you tell us, Lord, in your word, that when we call upon you, we shall be saved. And so, Father, we thank you for the free gift of eternal life today. Thank you for what you're going to do, Lord, in the lives of people that are here. And I pray today, Lord, for each person. And I pray that today those who have rejected Christ, Lord, would accept him today to be their Savior, their Lord and their Savior. Father, I pray for other decisions that will be made. Help us, we pray, as we go through this day to, to share the gospel with those, Father, that uh, uh, are without you and they don't know what to do. Help us to share the gospel with them. And I pray now that you would lead in this invitation, speak to our hearts, and we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.